Hi and welcome along to Early Excellence's Head to Head podcast. It's great to have you here. I'm Sarah Carey, School Improvement Lead here at Early Excellence and in these podcasts I'll be connecting with real head teachers and school leaders. We'll be discussing hot topics in primary and early years education and sharing some real experiences. So keep listening to hear more about school inspections and impactful school improvement strategies. Welcome along to our Head to Head podcast. Um, I hope everybody's well and having a good start to the autumn term. It'll be in full swing by the time this is released. Um, I'm really pleased today to be joined by Liam Ambrose, who is head teacher at Kenninghall Primary School. Hello there, Liam. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Have you had a good start to the term? Yes, it's felt it's felt like a positive start. All the children have come back, which is a good <laughs> a good way to begin. And uh, no, I think we've got some good energy uh, going. Uh, hopefully, we can sustain it for for the whole of the term and all the way up to Christmas. Yes, of course. Oh, you've said the C word now, haven't you? I mean, it's always oh a very long term, isn't it? And it, it starts with sunshine, as it did typically this year, um, and it very quickly becomes autumnal. And then before you know it, you are very much doing the festivities, aren't you? So uh, it'll be rapidly here, I'm sure. Definitely. I, I wish I didn't have to think about Christmas card designs in September, but <laughs> that's the way things go. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's always that forward planning, isn't there? It's uh, every term is busy and it's always jam packed. Well, it's great to see you again. And I know actually we've only ever really met virtually. Um, we've never actually met in person. But I think if memory serves, I think we connected after uh, um, you attended one of the leadership online courses, I think. Um, That's right, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, we connected after that. So uh, we've had a couple of conversations in between times. But a, a good place to start always in these podcasts is really for you to kind of share a little bit about you and your experiences and your role and a little bit about your school, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So um, just, I've, I've been here at Kenninghall Primary for the last uh, near enough four years, which has, has flown by. Um, and uh, before that was teaching in schools back in Essex. So um, as as well as being my first headship, it's also um, the smallest school I've, I've worked in. So it's been really interesting, uh, you know, get, getting to grips with small school leadership. Um, and um, and on top of that, I actually started my my teaching career in uh, secondary. So uh, it's it's been a really interesting journey to to, to reach where I am now. Um, it's which is brilliant to be to be sitting down and talking about early years at this point. It feels like a real point of arrival. But um, yes, yeah, so we, we're we're a we're a small village school uh, here in Kenninghall, um, half form entry, um, and part of a really lovely uh, community. Um, so. I think, yeah, we, we, we're a school that sort of puts that sort of family at the heart of everything we do. That's what we aim, aim for anyway. And, um, and it's lovely to be in a school where you genuinely do know every, um, every child and um, beyond just learning all the names. So Kenninghall is a small school. You're in Norfolk, aren't you? That's where you are in the world, um, which is obviously a a move from Essex for you. We were just having a conversation about your summer in Norfolk, actually, being a nice experience. Um, So in terms of obviously you're very small, what's the cohort and context kind of around pupil premium and special educational needs and those sorts of things? Is it fairly small, fairly high, significant because your numbers are so small in terms of school? (laughs) 
Uh, I, th I think considering the, the school size, our pupil premium numbers, numbers are typically quite steady from year to year. We're, we're around the sort of av average um, in terms of the national picture. Um, and SEN, well, ever rising, I think is the... <laughs> Is, is the best way to put it, um, which I know is not a, it's not an atypical uh, experience at the moment. Um, but we, yeah, we, we've got a really great diverse range of, of children in the school, and uh, and that always keeps us on our toes and keeps us thinking about how we can cater for you know the the broadest possible uh, yeah, range of learners that we can. Great. Well, I mean, obviously, you've said you you kind of had you've had your first years of headship, and that feels like it could be a podcast all on its own. And and you're in a small school with mixed age classes, and that feels like it could be a podcast on its own. However, today, as you've alluded to, we're we're talking about early years, um, which is going to be really interesting. As you've already said, you kind of come from a secondary background and then moved to primary. Um, but the reason we're talking about early years is because whilst you've had your first years of headship, actually. Part of that was quite a steep learning curve, which, of course, yes, absolutely for headship is a big learning curve in itself. But yours was a kind of a, almost an extra double whammy, really, wasn't it? Because there was some something that you had to do with regard to early years. So would you like to share with your listeners what, what happened, what that something was? Yes, of course. So in, in the summer of 2021, is that, am I going too far back? I'm no, 22. Um, it became clear that we were going to have a three days uh, gap in, uh, in, ter in terms of a reception teacher. Um, and uh, this, was, this was against the context of uh, three maternity covers all, all coming up at once. Um, and so in looking at the best way to manage that, um, the, the opportunity presented itself for, for, for myself to, to step into that um, reception teaching role. Um, which uh, genuinely it was, it was an exciting you know, prospect and something that I felt quite strongly um, that, that I should do as a school leader to really understand early years from the inside. Um, I'd, I'd had plenty of conversations, I think, before that point um, with, uh, with with colleagues and with you know, teachers across my, my career around um, how school leaders don't understand the early years, um, how how many staff meetings people have sat through thinking, well, does this really apply to me? Or, um, and actually I decided that the best possible way to, to understand it and hopefully be more, um, uh, more inclusive of early years in, in terms of my school leadership was to, to, you know, walk, walk in their shoes for a, for a bit. And, and whilst, um, what, what it amounted to was two terms, uh, teaching half the week, uh, in, in a reception classroom, it's, been a really steep but fascinating learning curve. Yeah, and that's what we want to hear all about today. Um, because I'm sure, I'm sure there were lots of things happening. I don't underestimate actually the challenges of, of running a school and being a school leader whilst committing to teaching in any year group. Absolutely, but actually committing to, to go and teach in a year group that you haven't got a huge amount of experience in, and early years, which often can look rightly so quite different in terms of teaching and learning to perhaps further through a school um, I wouldn't would imagine there's lots so so how did you find it just stepping into that and being with very very young children and actually not being an area of your expertise how did you find it 
Uh, I, I genuinely had a fantastic time. I really enjoyed myself. Um, I think it possibly helps. I, I've got two children of my own, and, and I imagine that had I taken that plunge uh, before having some experience with my own children as they were you know, coming up to school age, I, I probably would have found it um, you know, far more daunting. Um, but I, I think the, the thing that struck me beyond everything else and, and – um, and certainly in comparison to teaching you know, across uh, the other year groups that I've taught is I, I felt so you know, much, uh, much more quickly that I was getting to know those children on a very deep level. Um, it felt that I was yeah, in, in an incredibly privileged position to really um, get to know the children and, and the, the way that, uh, a play-based curriculum is is set up. It just creates opportunities that, um, in some ways, I just didn't know I was missing in teaching, you know, key stage one, key stage two, and beyond. And and I think that's it's really powerful, isn't it? And and it is a baptism of fire, and I'm and I'm sure I'm sure it was um, kind of having those experiences. But but we always talk in early years about. Um, what underpins effective early years practice. We always talk about the child and the environment and the adult, but in terms of the role of the adult, crucial to all of it is getting to know your children and having a positive relationship. Um, and actually you you kind of had that experience straight away, didn't you, in terms of the, getting to know those children. And of course, being a small school as well, I would imagine that would set you up even more strongly for as those children move further through the school. Definitely. I, I think it's um, it's something that I'm really keen to hold on to, um, the, the, the knowledge I have of that particular cohort of children and, and the, um, the interests and the, those particular areas of interest that, that, that were so clear um, whilst you know, with them. Um, I, I'm, I'd really love to follow that through the school. Um, I, I think, um, you know, we, we, we talk quite regularly as 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 school leaders around curriculum, uh, uh, just how much we have to fit in and, uh, and how rigid things can sometimes feel when, when it does in, at times b- become a case of, are, are we covering everything to really keep hold of those, those interests and those individual little sparks and, and, and ask the question, you know, where, where can they continue to, to explore where where can they build upon those early interests? Are we providing the opportunities, or are they going to get lost in a sea of curriculum that that we're presenting to them um, as they go up through the school? So, um, yeah, I, I've set it really as a um, as a specific kind of monitoring task, really, but to to just track that I, I, and and if it if it works well, it's something I'd quite like to continue with that. Um, with, with, with the experience we gain of our children in, in the reception year to just re- routinely and regularly just check back in and say, can we still see though that, that interest is that excitement around um, construction or that excitement around um, you know, the, 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 the need to sing <laughs> everything um, is, can we still spot it? Can we spot it at the end of year one? Can we spot it at the end of year Three is it still there? Have we preserved that that spark and that excitement? Um, and I think if um, it's 
you know, it's, it's not a typical uh, performance measure, but I, I, it would be one that I'd be very proud of if I could say um, hand on heart that we, we managed to preserve those little sparks of, of joy in, in the children right the way through their time in primary school. Yeah, and, and actually what you're, what you're talking about there actually is part of what's feeding into your school ethos and actually your school, one of your one of your school aims is about maintaining that, isn't it, and keeping that intrinsic motivation and engagement in learning and actually offering children a, a childhood. Absolutely. <laughs> and not, not just a, yes, of course they need knowledge and of course they need skills and of course we want them to have those skills to be able to be successful in the here and now and for the future but not at the expense of everything being kind of outside of their realms of experiences or their interests. It's it's important for the children to have that motivation. And if you're building on their interests or on their previous experiences, it does make learning and connections more easy for them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think you there's there's a lot more room to follow rather than to lead i think in a in an early years environment certainly that's been my my you know experience of uh, of last year and and it is a joy to to follow a thread rather than to be focused on your objective yeah and it's that that's that complicated and complex nature of early childhood learning it's the interconnected nature because you will know whilst you're following that thread that you've perhaps identified and can see in the children you will equally um and i'm sure you will have developed this over time felt less wobbly about what are they learning or what are they missing because actually as you're following that thread and engaging with the children and and kind of supporting their learning and development you can see and weave in a whole range of learning and curriculum and experiences because that is the nature of learning, particularly for young children. It's very holistic and very interconnected, isn't it? Definitely. I think it's um, it, so this experience has, has coincided with a lot of work. And I know we're one of huge numbers of schools tackling our curriculum at this, you know, over the last few years. Um, it's, it's it's given a really useful perspective on how we join our curriculum up. I think we we had some quite um, interesting conversations. So we we had uh, our uh, a section five inspection. Uh, a, lo- a lot of their conversations and their questions were around uh, the reception curriculum and and the link into into key stage one. I, th- I think we. Um, a lot of the dialogue we were having was trying to reverse the direction of travel a little bit and not um, not end up focusing on how reception is preparing children for key stage one, but how our key stage one curriculum you know, picks up the, the gauntlet thrown down by what the children have uh, learned in the early years. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, again, actually children in moving into year one are only six weeks from being in reception and developmentally may still need lots of those experiences. And in terms of what we know about how young children learn, they still need lots of practical experiences. We still need to be building on their intrinsic motivations and interests and fascinations. So actually, it is about taking up the, that kind of baton, isn't it? And moving that forward from where the children are and not kind of trying to shoehorn you're looking more to to dovetail and it's complicated and lots and lots of schools are looking at that and of course we know from an inspection point of view it's very much a kind of a thread through their line of inquiry about about curriculum but some of the some of the approaches to teaching and learning in EYFS can be quite effective and it's so it's not just about the 
curriculum, it's also about how you're presenting that learning, I would imagine, because your experiences in EYFS over the last two terms, I assume, will have included some gathering time and carpet teaching and some time in provision inside and some time in provision outside. Am I I right? I can see you nodding. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I I think the instincts that you're trying to develop around what they're ready for is, you know, you can, you can feel that, you know, I, I could recognize that instinct gradually sort of developing inside me to, to really gauge where are we with that? How much of, of, uh, of that kind of carpet time can you, are you ready for at this point? And you, and it's, um, yeah, it's interesting that the, 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 the um, transition from the autumn term through um, and what you're doing by, by the end of the spring term and into the summer just wouldn't translate if you tried to <laughs> to drop it in place in September. It absolutely evolves, doesn't it, in terms of the, there's that core. You will have always through the year, and I know, offered that indoor and outdoor, although I know you've been do, and doing some outdoor developments, so there will have been challenges in terms of diggers and things being in that you might not have been able to get out there for. But in theory, that indoor and outdoor provision, um, that high-quality teaching and group teaching and learning in the provision all taking place, but that will have evolved through the year as well in terms of how it looks and the progression and, and enrichment that's being offered. And it's interesting, isn't it, that you, you you mentioned the word instinct, and of course there will be prof- backed up by professional your professional knowledge and judgment <laughs> yes. as well. But you get a feel for how that evolves, and and that's hard to describe really unless you've perhaps experienced it. Mm-hmm, definitely, it makes it more real, doesn't it? If you're in it, it helps to kind of click things together a little bit more in our minds. I think definitely, and I, I think it's. Um when you get back to a sort of a, a monitoring uh, role and you're walking into a an early years classroom i think it helps or certainly helped me with a perspective on what judgments can i make about about learning about learning behaviors um what's the underlying narrative about around you know the child that might be rolling on rolling around rather than sitting cross-legged is the, you know, am I making a judgment about uh, classroom practice or am I delving a little bit deeper into that, that specific child, their needs, their stage of development. I think it, it helps you to ask better questions. Yeah. That's, and that's really reflective and really interesting to, to see that you've gone kind of gone through that reflection and shift um, because Again, often when, when we work with, with some, some school leaders who perhaps are not as experienced in early years or are not sure what they're perhaps seeing, and I will work alongside them and kind of narrate that and coach what we're seeing and such like and put that into context. Um, but it, it's very much about the children um, and what they're learning. And often we talk about kind of going to do some of that quality assurance and having some of those experiences during the provision time because that's when you can really put the spotlight on the children and reflect as you've just said on why wonder why that child is doing that is it a teaching and learning is it a developmental need is it a well-being need actually at this moment in time that they've perhaps had a rocky time at home and it's having an impact it 
it it kind of takes your lens in a slightly different direction um, if you're visiting and looking at those times and in that way. And that's not to say you wouldn't also, you know, be, be quality assuring some of the, the teaching that's taking place, but it does shift your focus onto the learning if you're looking at the children and reflecting in that way. So, and I would imagine maybe that's something in terms of, coming out of EYFS and still being in your role as head when you're looking further through the school? Has that has that kind of shaped how you're looking at other teaching and learning opportunities in school, if that makes sense? Uh, it definitely has. And, and um, it, it's it's interesting that, that it when yeah, a lot of the conversations being had between early years practitioners are around child development, but then elsewhere we we just we talk in terms of knowledge and understanding and and child development doesn't stop it doesn't go away <laughs> our children are you know are developing as people right the way through their their time in school and far beyond primary um it's still fundamentally the the thing we've got to get right first um and it makes that the statement makes perfect sense when you're looking at younger children, because we can see that no no amount of knowledge is going to be built up if you've got you know a dysregulated child, um, or if you haven't considered you know access and accessibility. Um, but that's equal, you know it's the same <laughs> across across education. Um, it's yeah. I, the, 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 those prime areas of development are still prime, even after we stop talking about them. Mm, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're prime for many reasons. And of course, um, Ofsted have just released their second research paper, haven't they, which is focused on on um, on the prime areas. And and it's because they're time sensitive, there's, there's a higher focus on them in the early years. And there really should be because it links to brain development and science sensitivity and child development. But you're right, it doesn't just stop. Language and communication is underpinning of everything. Um, PSE and self-regulation underpins such a lot as well there's that physical development which is body and mind isn't it it's not just kind of the core and the fine motor it's it's a whole whole kind of plethora of things and that does underpin the child developing and growing and instant connects and you mentioned earlier attitudes to learning as well um and kind of learning behaviors i think is a term that you used and again they thread all the way through a child's education and school life it doesn't just stop at the end of EYFS perhaps we talk about them in a slightly different way but it's still important but I think you're right it's interesting that the conversations shift away from some of those sorts of things around the child to more of the kind of knowledge and skills and academics which of course we know that is part of our role we have the curriculums we need to deliver on and we would never quibble with that we do want children to be able to have the fundamental skills to succeed in life but there's that whole child picture as well isn't there and that's sometimes the bit that isn't looked at in the same amount of detail as it perhaps is in early years maybe. So does that mean you're starting to have conversations with your wider school team about child development and learning behaviours and those sorts of things, maybe more than you were previously? Definitely, yes. I think it's become more, yeah, more, more of a part of the conversation. And I think it's it's definitely um, it's definitely been more uh, more frequent in terms of 
reflections coming in and out of classrooms and um and in, and in those those kind of those problem solving conversations you have with with your staff about particular children um and particular cohorts i think it's um it's become the 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 the, the starting point of of most of those conversations um and that's a that, that's a real positive because you 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 don't consciously not start with a child, but actually what you are doing is consciously starting with the child, and that's again sounds like a quite a, quite a shift and a, and a positive one. So uh, interesting. So having walked the walk then down in early years for two terms, um, does that mean you'd be encouraging lots of other? Is it something you'd recommend to other staff in school or other head teachers or other? You know, what would you say? <laughs> I, I I would say anybody that has any kind of. Uh, interest should go for it i think if the opportunity arises um definitely go for it i think uh, i i i really do strongly believe in there and there are lots of reasons logistically why why this might not happen for 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 some teachers but to get that breadth of experience across different phases is so valuable um it it's it enhances your teaching practice it um enhances your understanding it, it helps with the relationships you have with colleagues um, with the transition from one year group into yours and then out the other side so i i think getting that breadth of experience is 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 so valuable i think for school leaders uh, who haven't uh, delved into early years I, I found it so helpful i think it would be I think it's it's worthwhile, absolutely worthwhile. I'll be careful not to 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 over push it and say that every head teacher should spend X amount of time in an early years classroom, um, but uh, but perhaps that's not so bad an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Very nicely put. But I would I would echo actually that bigger message in terms of. It's important to have that breadth of understanding. If you are working in a primary school, for example, really, regardless of what year group you're teaching in, you, you do need to have that kind of appreciation and breadth and knowledge of what's happening in the at least the year groups around you, if not through the, the whole school. And of course, you become experts in certain areas, don't you? But But it's still having that appreciation of where the children are coming from what they're doing now and where they're going to and where the work that you are doing, whatever year group that is, is contributing to that child's journey and how you can most effectively and best support that child in connecting their previous experiences and learning and, and knowledge and skills, how they can connect and build on that and then set it up for the, the next layer to, to build on to. So I would echo with the breadth and, and certainly in terms of early years particularly, um, it sounds from your experiences from a school leader lens that from your experiences, actually, it's it shaped a little bit. It's maybe sharpened your focus on a couple of years school vision and values and aims around those relationships and around the children's interests and motivations and that spark, but also potentially has really kind of helped you as a leader or, and your wider colleagues around having even better professional conversations and dialogues about teaching and learning in children that's not to say they weren't strong in the first place but probably even better I think it would be fair to say no I, I definitely I think it also helps just to understand the practicalities of um, life as a early years teacher I think when we consider things like um, workload um, 
recognizing that what um, what you have to do practically on a day to day level and and the 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 particular challenges around you know maintaining provision around the the expanse of physical space that that if you're fortunate enough to have that you you are now you're responsible for um from a from a resource management perspective as well um recognizing that it's not as straightforward as cutting a a curriculum budget four ways that you've really got to understand what what you what's needed in terms of physical resources to to resource that indoor and outdoor provision and the the you know the day-to-day challenges of maintaining that um their elements of um of an early years teacher's responsibilities that i think are sometimes overlooked or um underestimated yeah there's it, it's powerful and obviously every every member of staff in in different year groups will have different kind of pressures because of the nature of the year group that they're teaching but actually you've just summarized really succinctly the very many kind of plates that spin for early years practitioners um but again taking it back to that leadership point of view of of recognising some of those and having an awareness of some of those and the reality of what that does mean. Um, it's not always staff saying they can't. Actually, it is logistically very challenging to be managing indoor and outdoor and maybe, um, you know, nappy changing or toileting support and those sorts of things, possibly kind of specific, really targeted support for interventions and those sorts of things, as well as, as you say, resource management and high quality learning resources in the early years do make a difference and it's it's also about knowing the which it's not just have some money and off you go <laughs> that money needs to be really carefully spent and I don't need to tell you do I the school budgets are shrinking and I would imagine as a small school um, <laughs> yours is small <laughs> I would imagine but the the money needs to be spent in the right ways as well so not just as you say not carving it up four ways but really understanding where that money's being spent and why that money's being spent in that way definitely i think you can think quite creatively and it's been it's been nice that, that, that my time teaching in the early years has coincided with quite with a, with the development of our outdoor um environment it's it's afforded me the opportunity to actually see how it's being used and to recognize what the children are looking for that may or may not be there um it's yeah, it, and it's it's led to some fantastic conversations with my you know early years staff around well what could this look like what you know how how do we create it and then the practical problem solving of um, how do we create it with a limited budget um, it's yeah we're, we're very fortunate here we've got a very um, supportive community who are happy to roll their sleeves up and volunteer so we've had some fun sort of construction projects to get things um off off the ground uh but rather than seeing it, it from a you know, site development perspective actually um living it alongside the children and recognizing ah oh, that's a gap that's something that they clearly need that we haven't got on offer for them or they needed more space for this thing and possibly a little less space for 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 that, um, it, it, we had a lovely moment actually uh, in early spring, uh, where yes, we've had to, you know we've had to be patient over the last over that year with what we what we'd like outdoors and what 
what stage we were at in terms of development. But actually, in, in the early spring, we ended up being sort of back to ground level and just an awful lot of big open space and um, and some of the construction that was happening with our large loose parts uh, was just phenomenal because they they made the most of the fact that they had space to to, to build in and um, and it, and it's it certainly made me think carefully about well what what are we putting back and how do we how do we preserve that opportunity to go big in the outdoor area. And that's and again, that's as an aside, outdoor learning is about that taking space, taking advantage of the scale of outdoors and the space of outdoors and the very physical nature of outdoors, be that body or mind, if that makes sense in terms of exercising those intellectual muscles as well as the physical muscles. Um, but again, it sounds you're, you're being very reflective on because the children will tell us, they do tell us through their behaviours and their actions. That is a form of communication, isn't it? And the fact that you've been able to reflect on that and be engaged in those conversations with the early years team um, is really helpful and I would imagine the early years feel I guess quite valued at this moment in time because you've been down there and been on the journey with them. I hope so I hope so I think I've, it's it's definitely deepened the kind of the conversations we we're able to have and and it's useful to speak from some experience um and, and I'd, I'd hope that looking at our, our staff meetings, our professional development opportunities, uh, that I am now thinking far more carefully about how how not only are our early years practitioners included and, and, and how the content is relevant, but also how do we make the most of the fact that we've got this really important, unique perspective around the table when we're talking about our school uh, development and, uh, and the development of our teaching and learning across the school. Yeah, no, that's it sounds it sounds really, really positive. And for yourself, lots of kind of personal reflections and, and you're kind of doing it as it happens because you're immersed in it, you're evolving and living and breathing it, aren't you? So you're having those reflections yourself and, and kind of rolling those things through. So this year you're not in early years. So how's that for you? Not being in early years and not in class either, is that right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, I'm not have haven't got a, a class. So it, up until um the start of this term, I I've had had a yeah, somewhere between a forty and fifty percent class um, commitment. Uh, yes, it is. It's it, it is different. I think um, I, I'm not going to pretend that it isn't. It, it doesn't feel great to have a, a bit more of a of a single focus uh, on on the on yeah on on school leadership. Um, I, I genuinely I say I miss teaching in in the early years. I don't get, I don't have to completely miss it because um, I've made a commitment this year to, to teaching a part of the curriculum in every uh, in every class. So I'll I, I feel like I'm possibly getting the best of of all worlds as a result. Um, I, I I would never want to be completely out of a classroom um, in, in any case. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pleased to say that in in the last two and a half weeks, I've, I've spent enough time in our with our new reception intake to to know them all by name at least, and uh, and and yeah, determined to to get to know them um, in the time that I spend in that in that classroom, even though it's far briefer. Yeah. 
Of course, of course. Well, as I say, it's been really useful to hear how it's kind of shaped your thinking as a school leader, really, in terms of those staff meetings, in terms of those professional conversations and budgets and kind of looking at what you want to do with the curriculum and moving that through and talking with your wider school team. But obviously, I know you're part of a trust, aren't you? So have you had any conversations um, more widely about early years with, with your trust yet? Is that on the plan? Is that not on the plan? Have you been asked to share your experiences? The, the opportunity hasn't arisen yet. It's, uh, it certainly will. And I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate. Our, our trust primary leadership is um, that there's a lot of passion and excitement for early years uh, that exists already. So I think it's... Um, it will be. It will form part of the kind of the conversation at trust level, and um, and there's the, the trust is is really open to understanding the context of its schools and then how we can share um, practice and learn from each other. So um, I, I'd hope I'd have the opportunity to share the the perspective that I've gained uh, more widely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been just really interesting to hear obviously your headship role and your experiences in early years having not had any experiences at all and actually you can I can see you but I can also hear kind of in how you're talking about it actually you've been really enthused by the experience I think and and actually it's ignited a, a bit of a passion in you around early years and early years practice which is which is great and there's obviously been lots of successes there but just stepping more widely in terms of obviously headship and the role of headship it's always good I think to kind of pause and think about what other things are working well for you in your school and and your role really because obviously early years has been developed and you've gained a lot from that and obviously you were talking about outdoors but often in our school leader roles we sometimes or head down thinking about what next and what hasn't been done yet and those sorts of things. Um, and we're not very good necessarily at patting ourselves on the back. So just to step outside of early years for, for a moment or two before we finish, what else is going well in your school? What are you really pleased with? What's what's good? Um, I th- you, you touched on school values and uh, and it's something that, that, that we've consciously worked on and, and uh, re- re-established anew in the last uh, two years. Uh, and when you set upon that piece of work of redefining your values as a school, it can, um, it can, yeah, it, it can feel like quite a significant thing to do. I think it takes some confidence to say, well, actually let's, let's make this a new starting point. Let's redefine what we're about. Um, so uh I'm really pleased that two years on from from having that those conversations with uh, with the children, with uh, our wider community, with staff, um, that uh, we've got a set of values that are genuinely being lived um, every every day in our school. I think that's uh, it's a it's a less tangible thing to talk about. I could I could pick out um, you know particular successes in in data and in. Uh, pupil progress but actually I think just to have conversations day to day with children and recognize those values that we determined summed us up um, and not just have the the snappy ABC parroted back but actually for the children to show it and really um, live by it by 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 the value so I'm I'm really proud of that as a piece of work that, that, that we've completed relatively recently that it feels um like we've done what we set out to do which is to really um celebrate 
and it, that you know the school culture. Uh, and I think it's been great that the community has come on board with that and uh, and embraced it as well. Brilliant. And of course, that is it underpins when that underpins all of the work that you do. No matter what year group you're teaching, actually, that is what as a staff team, a staff family, uh, uh, the child team, if you like, and as you say, the community. So the the whole school family really are buying into that and seeing it in reality. Um, and that's that's what you want it to be. You want it to be very real. And I would imagine that will then, because it's so well understood and within everything that you're doing, that it will therefore feed into your curriculum and and weave through everything that you do. So actually, if you've got that work undertaken in terms of vision and values, again, it will help future works with curriculum development or review or wherever you are in that kind of journey um, because it gives you something that you're going back to all the time where is it showing our school vision and values how does that feel how are we supporting it so it's a really valuable piece of work to do a very important piece of work to do and as you say sometimes it's kind of taking that step isn't it particularly if you are if it's not just a kind of a little bit of a reshape if it's a kind of a bit more of a significant shift it feels big but done well and and with everybody involved and the stakeholders all involved it does make a difference to what you're delivering on for your children absolutely yeah great so what next then for for you and the school and <laughs> uh, I, I mean i think in the broadest sense we we, we still you know remain committed to to, to you know, enhancing the experience of for, for our children um to as with all primaries, we want to prepare them for the next stage in in their education. But we really hope that we're we're um, developing the school in the in a way that develops the whole the whole child. So um, there's there's work ahead this year on um, on redefining our teaching and learning um, and and having a a, a new uh, it's, it doesn't sound very glamorous a new teaching and learning uh, handbook, but. As, as a way of really pulling together the great practice that we already have in the school and uh, and asking those really important questions of um, you know what what are, what are the essential ingredients that that you know will produce success for our for our learners so that's an exciting piece of work um, that, that that we've embarked upon um, and 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 we'll see us uh, see us through to the end of the year I'm I'm sure before we've really defined. Um, you know what it is we do that um, that sets our children up for success. Yeah, and again, that's a, it's another piece of work, but so another big piece of work that isn't a quick fix and takes lots of professional conversations, lots of a kind of research, reflection, thinking and considering and thinking about what we know, and sometimes pushing outside your comfort zone of. But we've always done it like this to actually what's right for our children, um, and I would imagine based on some of the experience that you've had of late in early years, some of those experiences and the conversations may well feed into some of those more wide conversations as you're undertaking that piece of work. So uh, that'll be really interesting. Big stuff. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> 
big stuff, big stuff. Well, it's been really good to hear from you. And, and I hope that the, the, the people listening have, have can hear and, and feel the kind of enthusiasm and actually what you've gained from being in EYFS. But I think really valuable to hear not just about the experiences in terms of what it's, what it's helped you to kind of reflect on and think of as a practitioner, if you like, but really those bigger, those bigger elements about how you're supporting staff, how you're approaching curriculum, how it's fed into your vision and values, what you're thinking about in terms of when you're in classrooms monitoring, how you're having professional conversations around child and child development. All of those things are really key things really in education um but as you say sometimes those things can drift off the further through the school we go so i think it's really exciting to hear that your time in early years has sparked or reignited some of that for you so uh, so it's been really good thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me no, it's been a real pleasure. I, I, I genuinely, you know, I'm as excited to talk about it as as, as I have been living it. Though so, no, it's great to have the opportunity. Super. Well, a good luck with it all, and I know we will. I know we will continue to be in touch. But uh, I wish you well and have a good autumn term. And uh, yeah, look ahead to those Christmas festivities. Hey, because they'll be here before we know it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. You too. Well, thanks for joining us today. I hope you found it a valuable listen and that you've taken some things away to reflect on or maybe things that you want to discuss with your colleagues. Of course, remember, if you want to talk about any of the issues that we've explored today or you need support with other matters in your school, then do feel free to drop me an email, sarah at earlyexcellence.com or why not get connected with me on LinkedIn or Twitter? Anyway, take care and join me next time for some more genuine head-to-head conversation.